0: Hello, welcome back again to Country Roads Confidential here at earsports.com. I am Mike Casaza. It is Saturday night at the Coliseum. First time for a home game for the Mountaineers since December 14, and another win in the Big 12, two and one overall, 13 and two. With the win here, 66-54 over the defending national runner-up Texas Tech, and here to discuss it all with me is Chris Anderson back. After a brief break from all the coaching madness yesterday, uh, Chris, initial thoughts on this?
1: Uh, I'm a, not really surprised by Huggins' uh, post-game uh, conversation. Uh, I guess it was much conversation, just one-sided conversation about how he wasn't too happy with it. Uh, I feel it's kind of been the same as it—the same good, positive, and negative for this team all year long. Obviously, some uh, struggles on offense outside of Deuce McBride. Uh, But that defense, the thing that sticks out to me most from this game and the last game, actually, uh, against Oklahoma State is their ability to scramble. Uh, Mm. And what I mean by that is like when a guy drives and they they double team or or help and, and the guy kicks, their ability to kind of pick up and not leave open shooters is as good as I can remember it. Maybe not even just this year. But going into past years, too, um, it's been stellar. That is a big reason why teams are shooting so poorly. Uh, Texas Tech only 30% today. Oklahoma State, one of the worst games they've ever had uh, shooting. Kansas, uh, what, what I can't remember the stat you gave me, but one of their lowest home point totals in quite some time. Mm-hmm. So it, it's been carrying over, and it's, it
0: is wildly impressive. Can I be the bad guy here for a second? Go for it. Uh, Kansas gets thumped by Baylor Saturday. Uh, Mm -hmm. Texas Tech has lost two in a row and played pretty poorly offensively. And I believe that Oklahoma State followed up 41 points against West Virginia with 40 today, Saturday. Um, It might be that the offensive talent in this league is not very good, which is nothing against West Virginia because no one has risen up um, above what I just described. And it might also be that this is a good year to be just an average offensive team and an excellent defensive team.
1: Did you just set me up for that, Mike? You set think, me up for that, didn't you? think so.
0: <laughs> I enjoy watching the game through my lens and then realizing that I was watching something completely different when it comes to Huggins. I thought that their team defense was really good, um, and they, they just do some weird stuff when they switches. Like Today, they tried to keep the ball out of Ramsey's hands I think as much as possible. He still got out 14 shots. I'm not sure if that was 14 that he wanted to take. Maybe half of them were good shots for him, but I think he was pressing a little bit and was trying to get into a rhythm and see one go in. He couldn't make it happen. Um, but also Harler, Culver, Matthews, Haley, the same people who gave Isaac likely trouble against Oklahoma State. They really combined their efforts here to keep the ball out of Ramsey's hands. And I think that's some of the stuff you're talking about, too. A ton of picks and screens and action up top to get the ball in Ramsey's hands. And he just never got it in favorable spots, it seemed like. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think uh, uh, Moretti got a couple open looks that probably kind of peeved Bob Huggins. But at some point, you know, when when you're putting a lot of uh, emphasis on covering a guy like Ramsey, somebody's going to eventually be open, no matter how good you're scrambling, no matter how how well you're helping and getting back. Um, I think, you know, Moretti kind of benefited from the way that West Virginia shut down Ramsey and forced him – and Edwards, uh, to be quite honest, taking a ton of – I think were pretty low-percentage shots.
0: Terrence Shannon, their pretty good freshman didn't play at all today. You think that's a difference? Uh, maybe a little bit.
1: I don't know if it would have changed the outcome of the game, but it might have gotten him a couple more open shots.
0: Good player, good scorer, kind of give him some length and some a little bit of twitch out there that might have – I don't know, might have even things out a little bit in the perimeter? Otherwise, it was pretty one-sided for West Virginia. Uh, Texas Tech, 6-for-28 from three-point range. Only shot seven free throws, and overall, 21-of-68 from the floor. They took 21 more shots to West Virginia, and they got out-rebounded by nine. doesn't make any sense. How'd that happen?
1: Well, we're playing in uh, Allen Fieldhouse East, apparently. West Virginia, 35 free throws to yeah. uh, seven for Texas Tech. Got a little referees on your side after you uh, after you call them three blind mice. I guess uh, they like you. I, I don't know how that works. But I think West Virginia just attacked the rim a little more. Uh, I Like I said, I, Edwards and Ramsey were hoisting up some bad shots. Everybody on their team uh, was on the perimeter for – I don't want to say they weren't posting up – but if you look at their starting five for Texas Tech, or at least their last five on the court, everybody's hoisting up a bunch of threes. I think they were settling for jumpers. I think West Virginia was forcing them into
0: jumpers, tough jumpers, contested jumpers. And, and Tech really wasn't going to the rim. Something else that everybody on Texas Tech's team did, had a negative plus minus. You don't see that very often. Sometimes a guy will get in for like 30 seconds and he'll get a, a zero plus, but he'll you know, be part of a 2-0 run or something like that. But everybody here was at between minus 1 and minus 14. Um, And then the shooting percentages here. 0 for 3, 3 for 11, 3 for 14, 3 for 10. Um, High-volume shots and low-volume makes. And, again, a lot of that is West Virginia's defense, and a lot of that is just the things I throw at you, too, Um, with just a few exceptions. Huggins was not happy with some rotations and how some things about maybe passing, getting getting to the other side of the floor. Um, but man, when you look at just the string of games now, even a loss to Kansas, they've really put handcuffs on three teams and that's going to be important because man, they just, they continue to just struggle offensively. And it doesn't matter where they're shooting it right now. 20 for 47, uh, three for 14 from three point range and 23 for 35 from the foul line. Um, if not from McBride getting 22 points on just 11 shots. Um, they're looking for someone else to score in this game. And it wasn't Shibwe and it wasn't Culver and it wasn't, you know, any of the quote unquote usual suspects. And I use that in quotes because there are no usual suspects on the team. It kind of fluctuates from one game to the other, but one name we're seeing a little bit more. And we talked about him, I don't know, all three podcasts Mm -hmm. in the big 12, Uh, Brandon Napper, but just three of eight. But I don't think anybody was upset with him taking eight shots. Uh, But again, 10 points, two assists, um, pretty good work in 25 minutes
1: well and this is something you brought up uh, it's been a couple weeks now because i think you were bringing it up uh, at least about what he was doing in practice what you were hearing he was doing in practice before it actually translated to the game so maybe there's a little lag, you know lag time on that um and he's starting to break out because i feel like we've both been pretty high on napper i would say he's kind of disappointed on the court this year but i, I was really high on him coming out of high school but he is absolutely uh you know, one of those guys today, there was no doubt in my mind, he was one of those, quote, eight rotation guys. And you, you look at the other guys who, who took a hit because he got all that extra time, uh, 24 minutes, according to the box score I'm looking at right now. Um, Sherman, five minutes. McNeil, eight minutes. Uh, that's the lowest for, uh, for those guys for, for some time. So,
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, It's... They played three or four guards a lot today, too. I'm surprised that Sherman and McNeil didn't get more. They played three guards a bunch, and they played four guards a bunch. Now, Technically, Haley was playing, like, the four with three other guards, so that's kind of like a, a three, a forward, I guess, but he's essentially a guard. Um, hasn't been great lately, so um, still playing with four guards. They could do that today, but did you see anything there that was uplifting about kind of a new look from them from a team that's been so focused on playing those two bigs together?
1: Uh, I, I, What I liked most was actually I think there were – two bigs on the floor. Uh, I know I've been kind of against it lately because they haven't been able to figure it out offensively and defensively. It's kind of been a problem, but today I think they figured it out with, with this four low or it's kind of spread out where they have one big man come up and set the pick at the top of the key, uh, two shooters in the corners and then the other big man kind of playing that short corner uh, with his back to the baseline waiting for the dish And when you have point guards like McBride and Knapper who can utilize that ball screen correctly and get a little separation and force somebody to help, even if they're not getting to the rim, just getting that little bit of separation, forcing help, it it helps. It gets guys open and it gets guys open in the right spots Um, because Huggins has talked about how you you can't stand the rotations. Guys are not going to the right spots. They're not back cutting correctly. They're not passing correctly. But in this setup with the high ball screen and three low, the guys are already in the right spots. They're already where they're supposed to be, so they don't have to move. And you're passing to the same spot. So if you can force somebody to come and help, you can find those open man, or you get your own shot. And today, for the most part, at least for McBride, he got his own shot and he made them. So.
0: Interesting. Good analysis, Chris. I appreciate that word from you. <laughs> um you've mentioned this before and this will be my last one before we go here but the first half second half splits are kind of weird with this team not a great second half team and today uh they finished the first half with a nice little flourish mcbride gets the seven points to end the half when i think texas tech was trying to do the same thing was trying to maybe capitalize on i don't know maybe harler's foul trouble or the fact that west virginia was just kind of treading water and hey steal some momentum and use some extra possessions and get some points um close that gap but McBride took care of that. I think he had a three layup and two free throws, and he outscored Texas Tech in the final 90 seconds. So I look at the first half numbers, 13 to 25, 52%, um, and had a a nice lead at the half. But the second half, 7 for 22, 0 for 6 from 3. And this is weird because if you look at the playing time, Huggins does really pare it down to essentially seven, maybe eight guys who he really trusts after halftime here. Um, And you would think that Things be more efficient or more effective that's not necessarily the case um it's kind of counterintuitive to what we think if you're finding your good players in the first half you're going to be there in the second half that hasn't necessarily happened
1: no the second half and i think there was obviously a little bit of a, a lull there when when gabe went out with mm-hmm. the apparent head injury which kind of threw some things uh, a monkey wrench in there but you're right they did kind of he did pare down the um the rotation for the second half. And it, and it's interesting to see who wasn't there. And again, I'm I'm trying to go off memory here, too, and there were some issues with the official box score as the game was going on oh, yeah. currently. um. So if I'm looking at this correctly, if this is still correct, I know I'm looking at it, right? Haley only played four minutes in the second half. Does that sound right? Yeah, he got pulled once. Yeah.
0: A couple of bad hiccups there, I think.
1: Um, so it, it's interesting to me that you know, there's Napper with 14 of the 20 minutes in the second half and McCabe and Haley with six and four. And, you know, you really relying on a Napper and McBride backcourt for almost the entirety of the second half.
0: And As expected, right? Yeah, <laughs> of course. That's what's so unusual to me. I think why Huggins is maybe down in the dumps or or is at least presenting that image right now is that it's a good way in at home, sell out crowd. You get something nice from your freshman, actually two freshmen. We haven't even mentioned Sheepway and he had 15 points in block three shots. He made 15 rebounds and block three shots. Pretty good work for him. Um, but I, I just think he thinks the ceiling for this team is so high and it's not even close. And he wasn't happy with the defense. He's certainly not happy with the offense and, you know, for a while, he used to be the guy who would take pride in an ugly game because he was at least forcing that. But um, I think he thinks that his team is contributing to that by, you know, missing 12 free throws, turning it over 20 times. They're being part of the ugliness here. And I don't think he wants that. And, you know, I think that he's going to kind of pull that pinata up every time that his team strikes and tries to get some candy out of it, feel better about themselves. He's going to pull that rope and it's going to go higher and higher. And they're going to have to really rise up and meet his challenge. But I do believe that he thinks they can swing up and they can hit some teams and knock them down
1: they, they got to figure out the free throw thing and I'm going to go back and actually watch a little bit of it um, because what was driving me nuts and I saw Culver do it a couple times and I've seen him do it in the past um, to shoot free throws better the best advice I'd give anybody and, and and I've gotten before from guys who are a lot better free throw shooters than I ever was is to do the same thing every single time it's almost like a muscle memory thing and, you know, three dribbles, spin it, shoot, and, and step to the line, line up in the same spot, get on that. there's a little nail that lines up directly with the, uh, with the rim, right in the center of the rim, put your right foot on that, it's, it's, it's very easy, and Culver doesn't do that, he does something different almost every time he steps up to the free throw line, I feel like I was, when I was watching the second half, he went one of four in the second half, and I felt like he was doing something different each of those four times, um, I'll go back and watch the film and and see if that is consistent across uh, the last few games when he's really gone downhill there. But uh, 15 to 21 in the second half, not bad. Uh, one of and that includes the one of four from Culver, but 23 of 35 for the game, at least according to the box score I'm looking at. Um, it's bad. It, it, it's it's an issue, and it, it's going to cause obviously uh, some losses down the road if it keeps up like that.
0: Yeah. The cover thing you're right on with his free throws. Um, and I think that when we hear the coaches say that he plays too fast, I don't know that that necessarily means in the post sometimes too, he, he doesn't have a routine necessarily at the foul line. And sometimes his second shot he's bailing because either he thinks it may miss and he wants to get, get ready for a rebound or do something like that. But, um, You're right. I mean, he's got to settle down and find something there, too. So I look forward to the report from the shot doctor. here.
1: (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, my uh, film or fiction, just like uh, I had to trim my three things down to two things, because how did my wife put it? I I don't think as well as you or know as much as you. (laughs) So uh, my film or fiction will be a lot shorter than yours and mostly (laughs) just film. So.
0: The people will be happy to have that because they have been tapping me on the shoulder for that for a long time. Also, a lot of people tapped me on the shoulder today wondering where I was yesterday when the podcast or, or when the uh, the news broke. And I don't know if you listen to the podcast or not, but I would not reveal where it was. And I don't think anybody would believe it either. But more reinforcing that people are actually listening to this. So uh, now that you've queued up the uh, the free throw mechanics and the forthcoming report from you, I think we can sign off and look forward to Tuesday night, 9 o'clock against... Oh, boy. TCU, correct? Yes. TCU 3-0 for the first time at Big 12 play, and they put the handcuffs on Oklahoma State today. Allowed 40 points in the win. Um, That is the last place team in the preseason that is on the top of the conference with Baylor right now. So, again, just as we predicted, right? Yeah, absolutely. You going to be able to stay up for that 9 o'clock game? I don't know about the 11.30 post-game podcast, (laughs) but we'll do our best, right?
1: I'll let you get a solo
0: on that one. Sounds good. Well, that's all for this time. We'll see you next time. I'm Mike Casazza.
1: And I'm Chris Anderson.
0: We'll talk to you later. Perfect, 15.